Uh, today, again, I just want to welcome you to Refuge Church, whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us 100 times. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, um, some people are going to have to to wait a week later uh, to see this online, uh, but some of you are in for a treat today. Um, I'm thrilled to have with us uh, a, a, a couple that is, I look at it as long-awaited family in Christ uh, that is just now getting to join us. Um, they have been like spiritual parents uh, to um, Brother Leifan Kumar, our international pastor, as well as his lovely, the one true hero wife, uh, Lydia, and their kids. Uh, and if they're family to them, they're family to us. And so we claim them today. Uh, they go by the names uh, Uncle George, here to my right, if you lift your hand, Uncle George, and Auntie Leela, his lovely wife, um, they have been married, what, almost 48 years? And uh, if, if, listen, if she hadn't le left you yet, she's going to stay by your side, brother, and we're so glad to, to, to know that. Um, you're going to understand more as you hear me talk about them and as you hear from them why this has been years in the making, Okay. Back in 2007, I think it was, I was um, two years into my first uh, church start and church plant over in St. George, and uh, all I knew at that age of 28 or 29 when I started that church was um, uh, that we needed to love God, we needed to love people, and we needed to reach people that most churches weren't reaching. And as I got to know them better yesterday with some time, uh, I, I didn't get to share with them the dream that I had back in 2007. Uh, Uncle George, Auntie Leela, I was um, I kept asking God, uh, because I was seeing such a move of God, all I knew to ask God was like, what's next? And so I have this dream. God had never spoken to me before in a dream. But in this dream, God's like, okay, I'm going to show you what is in the future of your ministry. And so in this dream, uh he, God takes me to this huge cliff. Some of you have heard this story before, but maybe it's been some time. Maybe you've never heard it at all. God takes me to this huge cliff. Um, I'm blindfolded. And he says, listen, I want you to, to, to not take that blindfold off. And then he said, when I tell you to, you know, I want you to take it off. I want you to look around. And so when the blindfold came off and I began to look around off that cliff, I saw people as far as the eye could possibly see. I saw every nationality, every language. In fact, I was so overwhelmed by the vision, Uncle George, that God had given me that um, I was pretty much hyperventilating in my bed. It's 2 in the morning. My wife's thinking, I just had some crazy dream. Will you please go back to bed? Quit acting like Craig. But in that particular time, I wasn't. In fact, um, I wasn't just anxious. I was crying my eyes out because I said, God, I can't do that through one church. And I think Uncle George is going to prove to you God can do that and more through one church whenever one man steps out on faith. So what really catches my heart is about at the age that I started this particular ministry is the age that God really moved within him to go plant a church which would become a part of many others. Let me give you just... A little brief introduction. Uncle George here, he founded a Christian ministry called Good News for India in 1986 with a vision of reaching people of India with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
In the last 35 years, Uncle George was able to start and establish one of the largest Bible colleges in India called Luther W. New Jr. Theological College. His faithfulness, listen to this, has helped lead to the planning of almost 400 churches, establishing seven Christian schools, orphanages, child development projects, and Bible translation projects. Uncle George, he was born and raised in southern India, but what's really where he's really able to kind of bring it to you folks, he's very, very familiar and has lived just as much as many of us have in the United States. And yet again, he was from the India area. He was from southern India. During his college days, he wanted to be a politician, but the Lord saved him, called him to full-time ministry. He holds a Master of Divinity from Fuller Theological College in California and a doctorate from Gordon-Conwell Theological College in Boston. He worked for an organization I'm sure many of you have heard of, of before, World Vision. He worked for World Vision in California before moving to India to start the work uh, that, that he and Auntie Leela uh, continue to try to be faithful, all from different uh, directions. Um, I told him I recognized real quickly his wife has done what um, I know my wife has done for me, but what I used to say about my mother, and I said my dad was the preacher, my mama was the pastor, because we saw my mom so much, and she kept the family together. And anyhow, uh, she uh, worked for Bank of America until uh, she retired, and I'm so glad that both of you got to make this trip. I can't say enough about that. He's been married uh, for 48 years. Um, they have two boys, uh, Finney and Rennie, um, and they have eight grandchildren. His son, Finney, is a pastor, Bible teacher, medical doctor, and owns a large company called Eventide and a Christian a liberal arts college called Sattler College. And then Rennie, he works for a firm in New York. Now today, Uncle George is going to share a powerful message with you that not only do I believe it's going to connect and minister to you right now, but it's going to help you understand, especially if you've been with us a while or you've been to our Refuge 101 class, that we really mean it when we say we want to reach nationally and internationally. And of course, beginning here locally. This time I want to recognize um, Brother Leafen, his, uh, his wife, his children, and anybody else from the International Community Care Group. Would you guys stand, those that were at least able to be here at this first service? Several others will be here at the second. Uh, today alone from that care group, we'll, we'll give you a better clap now here in a moment. Um, today, just represented between this service and the next, we have people who've been a faithful part of the um, International Care Group from these following countries, India, Philippines, Kenya, Cameroon, Jamaica, which for some reason I feel God calling me there more, um, Ghana, and of course the United States. So listen, y'all give a warm, warm welcome to Uncle George. I just wanted to say thanks to Pastor Craig and to the leadership of this church, but very special thanks to Leifen and Lydia, almost our children, not physical children, but spiritual children. Leifen came to the seminary Bible college that we started in North India as a 14-year-old young boy, first time. And ever since, he became part of our family. And later on, I had the privilege of uniting them in holy matrimony, Leifen and Lydia. So, and then, of course, they're two precious children. I want to, first of all, thank you for the 
way you have welcomed them into this community and helped them. So many of you have. They have been telling us about this church. And ever since we heard that, we wanted to come and be with you. Uh, but because of COVID and all the related issues, it took a long time for us to get here. But thank you so much. And I hope you'll have a chance to meet my wife of 48 years. Actually, this is our anniversary weekend. So we are, we are, we are celebrating our 48th anniversary with you here in Southeast, North, Southeast United States. We started coming to Southeast United States uh, 35, 36 years ago. I wish I had time to tell you the whole story, but we don't. And hope one day we can sit and tell you the story. The Lord miraculously connected us with Southeastern United States. And God did amazing things in North India through the help and prayers of churches here in uh, Southeastern United States. So I'll just say that much because, see, in India, we are trained to preach a long time. <laughs> and our sermons usually last two hours, three hours. You know why? Because our people come to church primarily walking. Our people don't have cars or even bicycles. Some have bicycles, some have scooters. Things have changed now. But when I was growing up, we, in our village, we didn't have a single car. So we had to walk. We had to walk 45 minutes an hour to get to church. So can you imagine walking an hour or so to come to church and then the preacher preaching 20 minutes and sitting down? <laughs> they will stone the preacher <laughs> because they want to get walking's worth, right? So we are trained to preach an hour, two, three don't be afraid, I'm not going to preach. <laughs> the sister is already afraid. <laughs> I know if I preach three hours, you will stone me, right? So let me get right into the message. And as we go through the message, I'll share a little bit of what God is doing in North India. And I hope you will listen fast so I can speak fast. You're not liking my jokes. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we come before you with grateful hearts for the privilege we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation here, your saints, your children here. Thank you for Pastor Craig and the leadership of this church. Lord, I pray my words and our meditation together will be pleasing to you and will bring glory to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A text this morning is Matthew 9:35 to 38. A familiar text to all of you. If you have your Bible, please open it with me and follow along, whether it is in a printed form or in a digital form. Matthew 9:35 is a summary of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew gives that summary first in Ma Matthew 4:23. So if you read 423 and 35 together, it's almost acting like two bookends. And in between, Matthew illustrates that. And he uses three participles. See, I was an English teacher before I became a preacher. So are we ready for a little English grammar lesson? 
how dare this foreigner teach us English, right? Well, we are taught King's English in India. Did you know India is the largest English-speaking country in the world? How many know that? A lot of people don't know that. Yes, we don't speak like you all speak. We put the accent on the wrong syllable all the time. But we do speak English. And we are taught King's English. Well, three participles are used by Matthew. Taught, preached, healed. And I have put in my note there the Koine Greek words for those three English words. And if you look carefully, you can see those Koine Greek words produce a lot of English words. Again, time limits me to expound it, but you know, at least you know that third one, therapio, from which we get our English word? Therapy. therapy. Yeah, therapy is very popular in America now, right? Therapy. Yeah. All kinds of therapy. Well, Jesus did these th three things, but why did he do it is the point we want to look up a little more carefully. And, and if you will put uh, the next slide up, I put two words in red there. First word is, he saw. 423 and 35 told us that he was ministering among his own people. Did you know Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles in one direction from the place of his birth? Did you know that? I would like us to learn something this morning. I hope you will listen and learn. He never traveled more than three, 200 miles in one direction from the place of his birth, except for a little journey that his mama and daddy took him when he was a baby. Anybody can tell me which was that journey? Egypt. To Egypt. Very good. You know your Bible. You see, that means if Jesus was born in Walterboro, South Carolina, he never saw Atlanta. Can you imagine? His ministry was so limited. It was among his own people. And it was in the synagogues. And what is synagogue? Church. So maybe you use the word church this morning. It was in the church he preached and he taught. And he saw them just as they are. I often say, if you know two words, you can travel all through America. What are those two words? Fine. Okay. <laughs> this morning you walked in, somebody asked you how you are. What was your reply? Fine. Okay. We can say that and people don't see anything more. But did you know our Lord sees us as we are? And there is nothing you can hide from him. Nothing I can hide from him. He saw the people just as they were. And how were they? Like sheep without shepherd. What does that mean? That's a word that is taken from Numbers 27.17. And all of you know who wrote Numbers. Who wrote? Moses. When did Moses live? 1,500 years before Jesus. 1,500 years before Jesus, the prophet Mo Moses prayed, Lord, let not my people be like sheep without shepherd. But when the Son of God came and lived among them, that is precisely they had become. I wish you are following me this morning. Listen, 
my dear people of God, my dear brothers and sisters, they had the word of God. They had prophets. They had sacrificial system. They had worship. Yet, they were like sheep without shepherd. What does that teach us? Having word of God is not enough. Having worship is not enough. Having pastors and prophets and teachers is not enough. Unless we apply it to ourselves, unless we have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, unless we are obedient to the word of God, none of this will benefit us. Am I speaking a language you can understand? I hope so. See, our Lord's heart was broken for his people. And then the next beautiful thing, if we can go back to that slide, is in that, yeah, it's okay, I know, I will kind of confuse you. But if you'll go back to that slide with those two red letters, see the next word? He had compassion on them. This is the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had all the reasons to condemn them. He could have very well told them, well, you are in the mess in which you are because of your fault. And that's what all the world religions teach. But my Jesus doesn't condemn us. He did not come to condemn us. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He is a God of love. That's why the Bible says, for God so Love the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus didn't come to condemn you or me, my dear brothers and sisters. He came to save us. While all the other religions of the world demand that we make ourselves holy and come to God. Jesus says, come to me as you are. I will not reject you. I will not forsake you. Why? Because he is a God of compassion. He's a God of mercy. Aren't you glad for that? I was raised, born and raised in a Christian home. So was my wife. You might know Southern India has a Christian community that claims our ancestral roots to the first century. Anybody know that? Yes, we had the gospel before gospel got to England. Tradition says, St. Thomas the Apostle came to our part of India in 52 AD. That's just 20 years after Jesus was crucified. He preached the gospel, established a number of churches, and then he was slain by the spear of a Brahmin, that is the high caste Hindu. Very strong tradition. We don't know, we don't have any direct proof. But we have direct proof for a church existing in the southwestern tip of India from at least early 3rd century. We have archaeological evidence. And my wife and I claim our ancestry from that background. But that didn't make me a Christian. Being born in a Christian home will not make you a Christian. My wife was in fact born in a pastor's home. My father was a lay leader in the church. My father was a school teacher. He was a lay leader in the Anglican church. I was raised in the Anglican church. Didn't make me a Christian. Are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Christ? Are you a disciple of Christ? There is only one way for that. And what is that? Jesus told that very directly, very clearly in John chapter 3 to a very educated religious leader. In today's language, a man probably who had three PhDs. 
What was his name? Nicodemus. What did Jesus tell them? Unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Are you born again? I hope you are. If not, please don't deceive yourself. Going to church will not save you. Listening to sermons will not save you. You must receive Jesus as your personal savior. You must open your heart to him and say, Lord, I give my life to you. I'm pretty confident all of you have done that. That's why you're here this morning. Otherwise, you'll be playing golf somewhere or something else. He is a God of compassion. I wish I had three hours to preach on that word, compassion. Because it is such a powerful word. We are going to take three, four minutes to look at that word. By the way, I'm teaching you New Testament Greek free this morning. If you come and enroll in the seminary in India, I'll charge you fees for this. Okay? This is free, but you must learn. That is a requirement. See, that's a word... I have put it up there. My last name is even more complicated than that word. Can you pronounce that word with me? That top word? Please, let's, let's cooperate this morning. I have a grandson who would say, cooperate with me. So please cooperate with me this morning. Can you pronounce that word with me? Splangnixomai. Did you, you know this? A lot of English word comes directly out of Greek. You know that. Greek and Latin supplies most of the English words. The English word spleen comes from that word. The Greek people built that word on that concept that this is the innermost organ of a human being. But this word, see there are two important truths about that word I'm, I have written in their notes and I hope you will not forget it. It's found only 12 times in the New Testament. Only 12 times. There are some other Greek words that are translated by compassion in English. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this particular word. And look at that last statement there. This word applies only to Jesus. Or it is found in his mouth. What do I mean by that? Some of the stories he tells, he uses this word. For example, the story he tells of the Good Samaritan, all of us know that story, right? right. He uses this word. This is a very powerful word. If we had time, we would look up all the 12 passages. It, and it is worth a study. I hope you will do. If you are a serious student of the Bible, you will look up those words and look up all the 12 passages and study it. We don't have time for that. We'll look up one word, one context, which is the next slide. Mark. Mark chapter 1, 40 and 41 uses this word. There we read the story of a leper coming to Christ. How many think that leper came near Jesus? Because there are some English versions use that word. A leper came near Jesus. Well, this is a good illustration of wanting to study Bible in its context. A leper could not come near Jesus. Why? Because in Leviticus 13, Moses had given rules, laws. Governing a leper. By the way, have any of you seen a leper other than Leifen and Lydia? Because we have plenty in India. In fact, we have a congregation started by one of our professors for lepers. Nalapani Church. Leifen knows that church. I have had the privilege of baptizing a number of them. Lepers who don't have noses, who don't have toes, who don't have fingers. Because leprosy is a horrible disease that eats away organs. You all know that. It was feared 
in the time of Jesus, more than we fear the AIDS or even Corona. <laughs> a leper couldn't come near Jesus. He had to stand 30 cubits away according to the rabbinic laws. To use our language, 30 yards away. And Mark tells us, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, saying, if you are willing, heal me. Is that what it says there? I want you to look at the text carefully. I'm misleading you. I'm a misleading preacher. Is that what it says? What does it say? Can make me clean. Why does he say that? Why does he say that? Why doesn't he say, if you're willing, you can heal me? Because in his mind, he was an unclean person. He was an untouchable, to use the Indian word. You heard of India? You heard of untouchables in India? Did you know we have a, close to 300 million people who are called untouchables in India? You know why they are called untouchables? Because the so-called upper caste people believe that if you touch him or her, you will become unclean. That's what the Jewish people believed about a leper. If you touch a leper, you will become unclean. So here to stand far away. And look what Jesus does. We have to rush through this. Look what Jesus does. What does he do? He who created everything could have just spoken one word and said become clean. He would have become clean. But is that what he does? Are you with me, my brothers and sisters? Do you see the depth of the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's why, that's why I'm taking this much time. This is extremely important. How the Lord treats human beings. I heard about a nine-year-old young boy who said he has two superpowers. Yesterday I heard his story. He has two superpowers. One is love and the other is prayer. Every single one of us is endowed with some superpowers if you are a follower of Christ. Superpower of love. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with agape love. He violates the law of Moses. That's what he's doing. Law of Moses says, don't touch, don't go near. But look at Jesus. He goes near. And I believe in my eye, in my imagination, I see this. I don't think my Lord touched him like he's touching something dirty. I believe he hugged him. He hugged him, I believe. He touched him. And the moment he touched him, what happens to the leper? We are, we are learning the word compassion. Splangnitsamai. Don't forget. The moment Jesus touches the leper, what happens to the leper? He becomes clean. But did you know what happens to Jesus? Oh, please listen to me carefully. According to the law of Moses, the moment Jesus touched that leper, he became unclean. The uncleanness of the leper was transferred onto him. He had to go through a ritualistic process of cleansing himself before he could enter the society. Mark doesn't write it because everybody who read him understood it. 
We read through the text without understanding it. Listen, this is what the Lord did for you. This is what the Lord did for me. As a 19-year-old, I too was a leper. And the Lord hugged me. Hugged me. And transformed me from a sinner to a saint. He made me a saint. You are a saint if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because a transformation takes place the moment you believe in him. Paul talks about that in the next text. 2 Corinthians 5.21, an amazing text. An amazing text. This is the gist of the gospel. This is the central truth of the gospel. This is what Jesus did for you and me on the cross of Calvary. He took our uncleanness upon himself and he made us holiness unto God. Righteousness to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Not a sinner, but sin for us. So that you and I will become righteousness of God. Once again I say I hope and I pray that every single one of you. Whether you're hearing me in person or online. You have had that experience of transformation in Christ. It happened to me as a 19 year old young man. Living in southern India. As pastor said in his introduction. I wanted to be a politician. And I often say thank God he didn't make me a politician. (laughs) He made me a saint. He made me a preacher. He transformed me. He made. Not because I am a holy man. No. I am a sinner. Saved by the grace of God. And he called me to preach the gospel to northern India. Let's go on quickly. Because I want to share a little about north India also. I told you this word occurs how many times in the New Testament? Twelve, please don't forget it. If you look up every one of them, everywhere except in Matthew 9, either Jesus or the character in the story he tells does something like this. Does something miraculous. Does something unexpected to change the situation except in Matthew 9. In Matthew 9, he turns to you and me The scripture says he turns to his disciples. That's you. If you know Jesus, you are a disciple. And he is turning to you. And he is saying to us. What is he saying? I like it in the King James translation. He saith unto his disciples. That's you. That's me. And he is saying what? The harvest is plenteous. But laborers are few. No time to expound it. You know it. I don't need to tell you. This is true in South Carolina. If this is true in South Carolina, imagine how true it is in India or other parts of the world. And what is the solution? This is the superpower that the Lord has given you. This is the superpower that he has given me, you. And by the way, This is given as a command. Grammatically speaking, this is given as an imperative. I hope all of you are following me. And what is the command? Pray. Pray. The Lord had previously taught his disciples to pray. This comes after that. And in that little prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, He had given us the pattern of prayer. Remember that prayer? 
my mom was a very strict disciplinarian and i had to recite this prayer i told you we were in the anglican tradition so every evening i had to read a chapter in the bible recite one scripture memorize scripture version the verse and then recite the lord's prayer before dinner will be served i praise god for my mama today she will be described many so called sociologists and psychologists as a child abuser <laughs> i thank god for parents who know how to bring up their children in discipline oh parents do a favor please read the scripture with your children memorize scripture with your children the lord's prayer have you noticed what are the first three requests in that prayer all of you know it lord give me a lamborghini thank you for laughing at my silly jokes i appreciate that it will keep you keep you from falling asleep even though it's a little too early to fall asleep no 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 our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name hallowed be your name what is second thy kingdom come what is third thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven then comes give us this day our daily bread brothers and sisters i asked this question to our students leafen has heard me this many times by the way leafen was my one of my best translators in india we have so many languages so many languages so in the bible college we use two main languages english which is the official language of india did you know english is the official language of india yeah and then the national language of india hindi he will translate he is a native hindi speaking person he and lydia both even though they are from south india they were born in north india and i tell my students our next door neighbor to the seminary is a buddhist monastery i ask them this question all the time if somebody records your prayer and records the prayer of the buddhist monastery children and replay it will there be any difference between your prayer and their prayer other than they are praying to buddha and you are praying to jesus very serious question look what you and i are commanded to pray Yes the lord knows we need our material things and it is in the prayer but the first three priorities of a christian's prayer have to do with his name his kingdom and his will may i challenge you this morning to follow that pattern in your prayer pray ye therefore to the lord of the harvest to send forth workers into the harvest field as pastor already said my wife and i came to america when we were very young first we lived in minnesota i have no time to describe all that we lived in minnesota it was way too cold so we moved to southern california in 1974 our children were born there my wife and i both had very good jobs she was an executive with bank of america i was an executive with world vision a christian organization many of you know and then the lord reminds us of our call to north india Remember we got the call way back in India in 1967 but the lord never allowed us to forget that call but i wanted to escape the call because i know how hard it is in india didn't want to go back to india so one day as i was sitting in my office in world vision this is before computers 
Can you imagine what has happened to the world within the last 35 years? Did you know 35 years ago there were no laptops? Some of you young children are wondering, is that true? <laughs> It is true. So I took an adding machine. I wanted to get out of this call. And this was the scripture God was using, Matthew 9.37. That's why I speak on the scripture all the time. I took up an adding machine and I began to argue with God. And I said, I need this still here in my Bible. I wrote it. I still have that Bible. Because in those days, India had only 800 million people. Did you hear me? In 1984, India had only a little less than 800. I'm just rounding it off to 800 million. How many people in America? Three, let's be generous and say 350 million. In 84, it was less than 300 million. I said, God, if I go back to India and preach to a thousand different people a day, how long will it take me to preach to 800 million people? Children, you help me add up, okay? You're listening carefully, I can see. You help me to add this up. If you preach to a thousand different people a day, how long will it take? You know, I was totally taken back. I wrote it down here. If you preach to... Are you with me? Yeah. I have to rush and finish it quickly. If you preach to a thousand people a day, don't take a single day's break. Seven days you can preach to seven thousand. In a month you can preach to thirty thousand. In a year you can preach to three hundred and sixty-five thousand. To read to preach to eight hundred million people, I have it right here. It will take you only two thousand one hundred and ninety-one point seven eight years. Eight hundred million. Even if you live as Methuselah, do you know who Methuselah is? The man who lived the longest in the Bible. You cannot do it. That's when this scripture became so real to me. And at that time, the Holy Spirit very clearly spoke to me. Please listen. Very few experiences like that in my life. Very clearly, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, but what if there are 2,191.78 people? Are you with me? I know there are no 0.78 people. But, but if there are 2,191.78 people, it will take only one year. That's when Matthew 9.37 became really real to me. We'll go through those slides quickly. I give a lot of statistics there. Oh, go back one, one, one slide there, there. I want you to see this, that one figure there. Did you know India is home to 4,693 nations? That word nation in English need to be really expounded and preached on. Because today nation means countries. That's not what the Bible means at all. Bible means by that word, what I have given in parenthesis there, ethna. That's the original Greek word there, ethna. From which we get English word? ethnic so it should be translated when Jesus said go make disciples of all nations Jesus was saying go make disciples of all ethnic groups and there are 4,693 of them in India of which hundreds have no gospel we have 450 plus languages and according to Wycliffe Bible translators you can put up the next slide About 90 of them have no Bible translated into them. Brothers and sisters, take this very seriously. The need is so great. 
What is the solution? What is the solution? Pray. Pray. Listen to this one sentence. This, this, this one sentence, please listen. When we work, we work. I hope Leifin remembers this because I repeat this often in my sermon in the seminary. When we work, we work and we must work. And we can do a lot of things by our work. But it is limited. But when we pray, God works. Did you hear me? Oh, looking back this 35 plus years, I can, it will take me more than three hours to tell you the amazing ways in which God worked. Even connecting me to southeastern United States was a miracle. God connected miraculously us with one church in Alberton, Georgia to a widow. Amazing, supernaturally, which transformed the whole thing. And as a result, you'll see some of the pictures. Go ahead and look through those pictures. We went thinking we'll be able to, we got this barren piece of land in a miraculous way at the foothills of the tallest mountains in the world. Which are the tallest mountains in the world, you young children know? Which are the tallest mountains in the world? Do you know? Himalayas. I know you guys pronounce Himalaya. We forgive you. We mispronounce a lot of English words. So you can mispronounce one Indian word. But if you want to pronounce it right, it is not Himalaya, it is Himalaya. There is a meaning. Ask Lydia, the miss teacher. He will, she will teach you the meaning of that word. I have no time. And then the Lord provided funds miraculously. We began humble with a few buildings. And now, and started with a small group of students. Now we have become the largest fully accredited theological seminary in North India. All glory to God. God is able. God is able. There's a short video I want you to see because my time is up. So I'm going to close. Please listen to that video carefully. Hello. My name is George Chavanika Manal. I am the president of Good News for India. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. India is the second largest country in the world with over 1.3 billion people. India is also home to the largest number of unreached people groups. India no longer allows foreign missionaries. Opposition to the gospel is increasing here day by day and Indian Christians are facing persecution like never before in our history. Under these circumstances, the most strategic thing we can do to strengthen the church in India is to train large numbers of Christ-like servant leaders. That is exactly what Good News for India has been doing for more than three decades. Every year, we train scores of men and women who serve as pastors, missionaries, church planters, teachers, and leaders of parachurch ministries. Good News for India began this strategic ministry of empowering national Christians in 1986. In 1989, we opened the New Theological College, commonly known as NTC, with just 22 trainees. With the fervent prayers and sacrificial help of God's children, NTC has now become 
the largest fully accredited interdenominational theological seminary in all of North India. All glory to God. God has blessed us with a beautiful campus, well-qualified, committed faculty and staff. We have trained over 3,000 men and women. They are serving the Lord all through the Indian subcontinent and in several other countries of the world. We can train a person with very little money. The cost to train a person for a whole year is only a little over $1,200. This includes tuition, room and board, and in some cases, even books. Thank you for investing in the training of leaders who will reach thousands in the course of their ministry. We not only train people, we send them and support them to preach the gospel and start churches where there is none. India still has over 90 languages with not even portions of the Bible translated into them. Our goal and prayer is to reach all the people groups and languages in this subcontinent with the gospel. For that, we need to send well-trained laborers and support them. This too takes very little funding. $100 to $200 a month will support a family to go and reach an unreached village. We also provide quality education to hundreds of the so-called untouchable children through a number of Christian primary and secondary schools that we have established. We care for orphans, desperately poor women and children in the name of Jesus. Thank you for standing with us to train, send, and support laborers in the Lord's Vineyard and help the poor and needy in his name. Please pray for us and help us. Please tell other praying Christians about us. May the Lord bless you richly. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to me patiently. And do pray for us. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, please talk to Leafen and Lydia. Or I do have a few copies of our newsletter. Would love to give it to you if you like to. But pray for us because that is the most important thing we can do for the kingdom. And that's why Jesus said that in Matthew 9.37. Take his command seriously. Let's pray for his kingdom, his will, so that glory will come to his name. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this blessed opportunity to hear your word. Lord, make your priority our priority. Because you commanded us, pray ye therefore. Pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into the harvest field. We pray for the harvest here in South Carolina. Here in the United States of America, there are so many here who needs to hear the gospel. Use us, O Lord, to bring them into the kingdom. We pray for India and the other countries of the world that are still waiting to hear the gospel. I pray that you bless every person who heard your word this morning. 
as your servant I bless them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit may they be blessed in Jesus name Amen Amen